Okay, well, this morning, what was on my heart through the word? It's very similar <clears throat> to what God's uh, earthly people, the Israelites, the Jews, uh, went, what they were going through. And we can see in, in the book of Numbers, uh, the truth that God w would like us to bring out, that he would like to bring out to us, I should say, in the book of Acts. So we have, in Numbers, of course, we know that he led the children of Israel in uh, one night, he led them out of 400 years of bondage. They were in bondage uh, under Pharaoh, who was, again, who was a type of, of Satan, and Egypt was a type of the world. And, and for 400 years, they were in slavery and bondage to, uh, to Satan in that world system in its type. And then, of course, in, as we said, in one night, he led them out. He led them completely out of bondage. And then they were in the wilderness. And that shows their history. And in their history, the history is brought out in Exodus and in, in really in the types of their sacrifices in Leviticus. And then by the time you get to Numbers, it's shown what it was like for them as they were going through the world system, the wilderness, on their way to the promised land where they could rest uh, rest in, in all the promises that, that uh, God would fulfill and which he did in Christ. So in the book of Numbers, and we see the same thing in the book of Acts, what we see is there was, there was amazing, even though he, he led them out and he set them free and we... We've said this before. In one night, it, it, God took Israel out of Egypt. But then it took him a lifetime like, he, like it is with us in our growth and our training. It, it takes him all that time to take Egypt out of Israel, to take the flesh and our experience out of us. That's what the two things in, in Numbers for the earthly people, the Israelites, the Jews, and for us, the church, in Acts, especially starting in Acts, the second chapter. There was, so they were let, let out. They were in slavery and just bitter bondage, and they were crying up. You can even see that in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23. It says their cry went up to God by reason of their bondage. They were in just intense bondage. And when it says that, it wasn't even a cry of sorrow for the sins that had led them into the bondage. It's just that they were crying about what their sins had led them into that bondage and the effect that it had on them. It wasn't even, a, a, in that sense, it wasn't even a change of mind or repentance. But it still came up to him. It's, he, he still heard their cry. And then, of course, he... he raised up Moses, who was the type of Christ. And he would lead them out. And you can see there was a lot of conflict with the people. And when they would have conflict, um, and when there was conflict, it would come towards Moses. And then Moses would say, okay, um, 
And it took him time to realize, listen, you, got, you have to go to God. So here they were in all this slavery, and, and then they're, they're brought out into the world system. But now God is working out the flesh in them, the way that they depended on their flesh, uh, the way that they went by sight and, and their circumstances and situations. And he had, was trying to teach them that he was their guide in the midst of their circumstances, in their situations, in the, uh, in the book of Numbers, being the fact that he had delivered them out of unbelievable bondage, just like he has with us. I mean, he's delivered us from hell. And he is leading us. And us as his church today, everything about our life here is he's training us. He's tra- Literally, it's what it is. But in that, there's going to be what? We're going to see what we saw in Numbers. We're going to see, again, what we saw, what we see in the book of Acts. There was conflict. Anyone ever experienced any conflict lately? There was conflict. And that conflict had to do not with so much what they could see by sight, but it was the enemy. And for us, and for us, uh, our enemy is invisible. You, you can't see them. And it's not, we don't wrestle against uh, flesh and blood or blood and flesh. We don't in Ephesians 6, 12. And in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the weapons of our warfare, then are carnal. They don't have anything to do with us. It was he who let us out when we couldn't do anything. And we still can't do anything without him. And so the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. And there's where we need to constantly submit to him so that he can continue to lead us through the circumstances and the situations. And the circumstances and the situations teach us that we can't do a thing. It has to be him no matter what. And so, but there was conflict in Numbers, just like there was a lot of conflict in the book of Acts, but there was progress. God was still being, and there was progress because God was being faithful uh, to us. And just like he was and constantly towards towards, uh, Israel, even though they murmured constantly, they fought him, they murmured as a result of what what they thought their need was and wasn't being met. Uh, they, they had fear, they doubted, and, and, and we can have all those things. Doesn't usually, it's not usually a lot of uh, joy that we get out of those. The joy that we have is that even in the midst of our circumstances and situations, no matter what sight dictates to us, that he is our continual guide, not our circumstances, not our situations, not even our feelings or our own thoughts. It's when we submit Uh, to him constantly that he's our guide and then he's going to constantly lead us and that's what he's doing he's he's leading us out that's what he's doing for us just like he did to israel did he lead them into their promised land yeah now again if we look at deuteronomy uh the first chapter and i believe it's the second verse that was a journey that should have taken them 11 days from the time they were let out of captivity. And they hated it. Think of how much we hated our unsaved life and all the negative and evil consequences that it did to us and all the problems that it brought us. And he let us out. But then 
He, he let us out. But when he, when he put us in Christ, he had to get the flesh out. And there's where the conflict would begin. And that's what it is with us. There's, there's conflict, yes, but there is progress. And so, I mean, he's faithful. And the reason is, is his faithfulness has to do with who he is. It's based upon who he is, not on us. And that's why it's not our emotions. It's not even our thoughts. It's us submitting to his will constantly. So that in those little times that we do do it, we don't do it enough. None of us do. But when we do, what do we experience? We experience progress. I mean, how many times has he has he led us to, to places where it seemed to be so impossible, but yet he did the impossible. He made a way when there was no way. And, and he's still doing that. And so, by, so we see that, that God raised up Moses to lead Israel out. And then through bondage, he, he led them out and constantly teaching them who they were in the eyes of God their father, through Moses the type, and through the preaching and teaching of the word. And, and of course for us, Christ is our head, and he's given us, by his pure grace, he's given us leaders under, under shepherds, and I do mean under. <laughs> and you gotta stay under, so that you don't, and I don't, put ourselves above him. And, of course, the enemy would, would try to use the circumstances, the situations, our thoughts, or our emotions to place us above him and have those to be our guide. We know where those end up, right? They, they end up in, oh, wretched man that I am. <laughs> in Romans 7, 24. And, and the cry there is not, not who's going to help me <laughs> in that struggle. Now, who's not going to help me? Who's going to deliver me out of it? And that's what he's constantly doing, see? He delivered us from a Christless, eternal hell and a lake of fire. He did. And, and talk about a, a conflict. Talk about something that we could never do. And then he's constantly doing in us what only he can do. And what only he can do is what he's already worked out about us. And he's training us. This life has to do, if we could only see this. See, everything, even the Jews, even up to this present time, right now, even up to this present time, they still reject Christ, their Messiah. And look at all their conflict and turmoil as a result of the, the Jews as a people. They are, were a byword a, a, a mocking byword on the lips of all kinds of people simply because of their rejection of Christ and the result of their disobedience and just not trusting him. Trusting him for everything and being thankful uh, for him and in him. And look at what they went through and look where they still are. But yet he's going to be faithful He's going to raise them up and he's going to raise up a kingdom on the earth based upon what he was teaching his disciples in Matthew 6, verse 10. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's 
as, as God has taught us, that's the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is he does rule and reign no matter what it looks like by sight. He does rule and reign throughout all eternity. But where does he have the rule? It's on earth. But who does he have that rule through? Is he? Are the people of Israel submitted to Moses and the word that God gave Moses just as a vessel to pour out to those? Are they submitted to Christ? Are you and I submitted to him? Because we are his heavenly people. Do You see, everything that he was teaching them was the only way this is going to work for you, Israel, is, is the one that you rejected is when he comes back and sets up his kingdom. Then you're going to rest. Same thing for us, only we are a heavenly people. Our life is not this earth. It isn't. The circumstances, the situations, the details of life, everything about us is he's training us to reign in the heavenlies for eternity. That's what he's doing. And there's where we have the book of Acts. And some say the Acts, and you'll see it in a lot of, uh, you, you see a lot of, in, in certain translations, like in, like in the King James, the one that I have right now, it's the Acts of the Apostles. Really, that's not what it is. It is the action of Jesus Christ through those vessels. That's the book of Acts. How the action of his love through grace even in the midst of their conflict, constantly cause them to progress. And our progression, depending how quick it will be, has to do with the will. How, how hard or how stubborn is our wills? Just to submit to him. And even the evidence of a past life, of how faithful he's been to us, shouldn't that be the evidence of what he's going to continue to do and that we can trust him for, even without evidence, simply because we have the greatest evidence in all of eternity, the very word of God. You know, when it says in Hebrews 11, verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not seen. Really what it says is, faith, dependence, is the title deed, it's the proof of ownership of the things not seen by sight, but are the most certain in the mind of God. So that faith is not what some would teach, a leap in the dark. No, faith takes steps on the most solid ground. It's the word of God. It's trusting him no matter what, constantly. And to do that, there's going to be a lot of conflict. There's going to be a lot of conflict in our lives and the enemy's going to give us all kinds of excuses and an, an excuse outside the word of God that's an imagination or a projection towards a believer in Christ. It's just nothing more than based upon a lie. Why we can't trust him and forget all the evidence in our own life all the history of his faithfulness in our own lives, to forget that and not trust him for the next step. Because that's what it is. So there's going to be conflict. There's going to be conflict constantly. Paul, he was Saul, and he was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. And we see that in Philippians, the third chapter, and you look at those first eight verses. He was their guy, a legalist of the flesh, who rejected Christ 
and sought to please God based upon their flesh and what they would see in terms of even their rejection of Christ. And then Christ got a hold of him. He received Christ as his Savior instantly on that road to Damascus that day when he saw the brightness, even even in in a, um, a small amount of the brightness that was above the height of the sun at noon. And of course, Of course, he fell to the ground in in absolute humility, the place where he could do absolutely nothing, and that's us. We can do nothing of any profit apart from him. To not not believe him, to not trust him, honestly, experientially, is we don't go forward. We don't experience the very truth and, and the very life that he's made ours that he is in each of us as, as a vessel. So once, once, they, once God got a hold of Paul, he was Saul, big in his own eyes. Saul means big. Everything he would thought, everything was about him, you know. That's what his name was. That would, that's what our name used to be. Everything was about us. And boy, if it didn't line up, well, our world was over. Because after all... <laughs> Don't, doesn't everybody know who we are, especially God? And he met Christ, and his, then he became Paul, little. He became little in his own eyes, so that his view would be, very, would be the very Christ who's bigger and better than anything. And he always proves himself to be so much better and so much bigger than even we could even think of. But he has to, in his love, for us to experience the increase that came from heaven in John 3.27, Christ. And in John 3.30, he must increase, but, but I must decrease. And that's the book of Acts. It's the history. They were let out, Paul, Paul. And he considered himself, he, he considered himself, even as a Jew, even as a Jew, he said it, he said, I'm like one born out of time. Basically, he was saying, I'm like an abortion. In other words, before the time when God would set up the millennial reign kingdom. He said that in 1 Corinthians 15, 8. You know? But God got a hold of him. And then everything about him, everything about him that he had to learn was about Christ. Christ's faithfulness. Based upon himself. And that's why he doesn't fail. That's why God does not fail us, because it has to do with himself. For him to fail us, he would have to fail him who loves us. <laughs> that's why even in Titus, in 2 Timothy 2, verse 13, even if we abide not faithful, he abides faithful. He can't deny himself. You know, there will be conflict, and the conflict is to cause us to deny him. And to make that our emphasis, to, seriously, to make that our emphasis. But even if we abide not faithful, he abides faithful. Right? He can't deny himself. You know what it is that he doesn't deny himself about us? How much he loves us. How much he loves us. And that's the book of Acts. That's the lesson. That's the lesson that we're learning and growing in. We're learning and growing in. And through that, and he's training us 
for an eternity of intimate fellowship that, that is just going to be incredible. It's going to be beyond anything that we could even imagine. And again, as, as God has led us to understand in, in, in Revelations 2 and verse 17 with 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12, and I'll, I'll just read that. And this is the whole book of Acts, and this is the conflict that we're in. Because we're on our way to our promised land. It's Christ himself who fulfilled all those promises. So in 1 Corinthians 13, this is what it says in verse 12. It says this, For now we see through a glass, what, darkly. It's like a riddle. It's like, you know, we're trying to see ourselves. And, And the way that God has taught us here, we see through a glass. The glass in this sense is they had brass they didn't have glass back then so they had they had this this these brass where they could see a reflection of themselves it wasn't a perfect one but it was the best that they had and then darkly they could see it darkly but they didn't get a full view of themselves what this is teaching us right now is in the midst of this conflict and still this progress, we're on our way, and everything about our life that he's training us for right now has to do with, for now we see through a glass, we see our proper image through the reflection and reality of the word of God, and darkly is by faith. It has nothing to do with sight, how we evaluate. Remember those three systems of perception. There's rationalization. There's reasoning. That's why in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. And imaginations, there's all these images, these false reasonings, these false reasoning, casting them down. And so we do that and through the word and through submission to the word. But then, but then, look at what it says. But then, when? Face to face. Right? Face to face. That's what he's preparing us for. He led us out. We're, we're going through, and he's going to lead us to a heavenly place with him as individuals. And we will have corporate fellowship, but nothing replaces the depth of the animate fellowship and a history with him that he's preparing us for. It's not about time. It's not about time. Listen, we listen, the enemy constantly, constantly, the temptation of the needs and sight and all this that we think we need has to do with time. We're not products of time. Products of eternity. We're just passing through in 1 Peter 2.11. Passing through time. I have not enough time, not enough money. There's no time. That's what he's trying to convince us of. But then face to face, that's eternity. But then face to face. Now, what, what is now? Now I know in part. And because we know in part, isn't it essential for us to trust him who let us out? I mean, he's already taken care of our eternity. That's done. We have eternal life. Christ. In First Peter, in, in, in First John 5.11, we have eternal life in us. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 1, in verse 22, sealed. 
sealed, stamped with his love that says, mine, mine. God for you, who against you, Romans 8, verse 31. And so the enemy wants to use time and the lie of it in reasoning that somehow now this is against you. No, it's not. He's leading us right through. Read Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear, what? No evil, because there's no fear in his love. In 1 John 4, verse 18. And that's through the word, the love of his son, that he's leading us to himself. For now I know in part, but then will I know even as also I am known. Wait till we see God. We're going to have a history in Revelations 2, and this is what 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, is teaching us. And this is what it's teaching us. Each of us as an individual. You know, you individually have to trust God. No one can do that for you. Because, listen, no one, no one can do that for you because no one's done that for you as an individual but Christ. Nobody can do that for you. But in Revelation 2, verse 17, it's very, very interesting. He that has an ear. Do you have an ear? What is the ear gate for? It's to receive. It's to hear, to receive, and have a right perception and understanding of what this life is all about. This life, this life is details. Our life is Christ in Colossians 3, verse 4. Our life is not the time, the details of time. That is not our life. If we look at it like that, then we will enter into all kinds of fear, doubt, and worry. But Christ is our life, who's leading us through the details, through the circumstances and the situations, and they are not our guide. He is our guide. Furthermore, he's promised to be our guide in Psalm 48, verse 14, until the day of death, which is the entrance into him, into our history with him in the most individual way. So it says in Revelations 2.17, he that has an ear, let him hear. What does that have to do with? Let the will submit. Don't allow sight. Don't allow any, the lies of the enemy, the lies of the flesh to guide you. I can't do this. I can't do that. Well, the fact of the matter is we can do nothing without him in John 15, 1 through 5, but with him, in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things. The enemy says, you can't trust God for this. The enemy says, no, see how you feel. That's to guide you. Your circumstance, your situation, what you see. No. Faith. Faith is the substantiation, the title deed. It's the very proof of the things that we trust him for are ours because he's, he's made himself ours and he's made us his. To never, never leave us nor forsake us. In Hebrews 13, 5, triple salutation brought about in, in all the way. In Joshua 1, verse, verse 3, every step you take, I'm going to be with you. Like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. Joshua 1, 3, every place that the foot, your step, your foot steps, I'm, that I've given to you when we trust him, when we honor him, when we reverence him. And we, can, and we can see he'll not fail us nor forsake us in Joshua 1, 5. And has he not commanded us, 1, 5 through 9 in Joshua, 
to be of good courage, to trust him and, and to, to, for him to lead us and then him through us to lead others. He, in Revelations 2, verse 17, he has, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the church. By the way, it shouldn't say church is there. It's really local assemblies. There's one church, many local assemblies. To him that overcomes, have we overcome in our position? Have we? How about our experience? Is my experience the equal? Yes, there's conflict, but is there progress? There is. You and I have that history. To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the hidden manna. The hidden manna is what he did for us, maybe when no one else knew. No one else knew. No one else heard the groans that we groaned to him. And, and, but the Holy Spirit did, God did, in Romans 8, verse uh, 26, Jesus heard them in, in Romans 8, verse 34, and he was interceding for us immediately, instantly, even before in his anticipative love and his prevenient grace. He was constantly doing that. And, but he that overcomes will I give to eat of the hidden manna. The hidden manna in Isaiah 45, verse 3, I will give you the treasures of darkness. Your circumstances, boy, did it look dark, didn't it? but he had treasures for you in that dark place. All kinds of treasures. Him himself. Because that's where all the, tre the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. In Colossians 2 and verse 3. And he's that treasure in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 in you to never leave you nor forsake you and I. And so... I, I will give to eat of the hidden man. Isaiah 45, verse uh, 3, I will give you the treasures of darkness in hidden riches in secret places when no one else knew. But God was forming you for an intimate fellowship with Christ in time for all eternity. Is it worth it? Is it worth it to have the sufferings of time to experience the joys of an eternity? In Romans 8, 18. If we suffer with him in 2 Timothy 2, verse 12, we'll reign with him. We reign with him. If we deny him, he'll also deny us. That's not salvation. That's fellowship. He just wants to fellowship with us, but he's not going to force himself on us. But when we submit, he gives us that hidden manna in Isaiah 45, and verse 3. See, he's leading us through. He's leading us through. The Israelites in Numbers, the 10th chapter, they were a tense people. They weren't settled down in this earth. Their circumstances and situations and details of life were not their guide. They heard the trumpet in Numbers, the 10th chapter. It happened to be a trumpet made of silver, always redeeming us and telling us, go forward. Always redeeming us and go forward. Because in heaven, it's all gold, no silver, no need for redemption. We're there but he's constantly teaching us and leading us to eat with him, the hidden manna. You know, he's given that to us right now. That speaks, he desires of an intimate, deep fellowship with us right now in time. He, he'll say, come on, sup with me right now. Trust me, sup with me. Put me first above everything. Put me above everything. Make me your all and just watch, just watch. Uh, and then eat that hidden manna with me now 
And then we'll have a record of it. And because that'll go into the white stone. That'll go into the white stone. And in, in the stone, that new name which speaks of a nature, which was all about your history. Your history in time is being formed into a diamond. That's what we are. We're as jewels. He said that to Israel in Malachi 3, verse 16. But to us, we're his. he's given each of us a white stone. And he's preparing us. And you know what he has to do to that stone. That's Numbers. The book of Numbers. Conflict, but progress. That's the book of Acts. He's leading us through time into an eternity and forming us a history and writing on it, it says a new name that only he who knows that name and the one that he gives it to, that's the depth of an intimate fellowship with Christ for all eternity. Oh, how much better he is he than anything in time. I mean, he has sealed us. He has sealed us with the Holy Spirit, the promise of this second comforter in John 14, 16, given us the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, verse 17 of John 14. Who's the guide? He's our guide. He's guiding us and teaching us your life. In John 16, 13, and 14, he's showing us Christ is your life, not your circumstances, not your situations, not time. Is time to be our guide? No, Christ, who is eternal life in us. That's, he's our guide. And he's bringing us through to a beautiful place to prepare us. And we've said before in Revelations 2 and verse 17, it brings it out clearly. We will all have fellowship. We will all, in Revelations, the fifth chapter, in verses 9 through 12, we will all, and all our loved ones that have already gone ahead of us, who are still a part of that church in heaven, while we're still on earth, they are around the throne and they're singing and worshiping him. And there's a place that only you and I can fill. And he's preparing us for that place. He's preparing us for that place. He's teaching us how to be thankful right now in time. So that enters into the song. Right now, in Job 35 and verse 10, he gives us a song in the night when things look dark, when they seem to be impossible. He says, listen, I'll sup with you and I'll give you a song, a worship song. In Hebrews 13, uh, in verse 15, I'll give you the sacrifice of a worshipful song. It'll take you right outside yourself. And you will no longer think too highly of yourself or too lowly of yourself. You'll be so lost in my love for you that's preparing you and I for an eternal meeting that nothing can touch in time. Boy, does he love us and boy, is he preparing us in the book of Numbers for the Jews. In Israel, he's going to set up that kingdom, but right now he's forming the church. He's forming us. And doing that, he's forming each individual. And he's going to give us that white stone. And that stone and that fellowship we're going to have with him, we're going to see all oh, the things in time, Lord, that you brought me through. What you did with me and the fellowship that I had with you. The times that we supped when no one else knew. You gave us these treasures. And, and we're so thankful. We're so thankful for that. So, Father, we thank you so much for the truth of your leading, just like you led Israel through in Numbers, the 10th chapter, and they didn't do a thing. They didn't move unless they heard that proper trumpet, that silver trumpet, the word, constant redemption, leading us through 
stay, stop. I have things to do with you. Now you hear the trumpet, now you go forward. There were a tent people. And here we are in these tents, these tabernacles, these earthly vessels. But you're leading us through. All through the book of Acts, conflict. But you're leading us through. And it's based upon who you are. It's based upon who Christ is and what he's accomplished for each of us as an individual. And Father, I just pray, in in this conflict, yes, we get tired, we get weary, and we get weak. But you are so faithful, Lord. And you've given us your love. Just like you did to John, the beloved apostle, where he could lay his head on your breast, Lord. And we need to do that in the busyness. Times I thought of it this morning. Time is more busy on this earth than it's ever been because it's rushing towards eternity. And the enemy, he only has but a short time in Revelations 12, 12. And he comes in and wants us to live according to, the, to that time. But we have eternity. We have Christ in us. That's the issue. That's the issue. And uh, i just thinking of the busyness. Get, getting those that are Christ to be so busy, they, they can't rest. And Father, we always have your heart. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we can still lay our head on your breast and hear every heartbeat that says, I love you. I'm in control. I have you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I won't leave you in the lurch. I'm leading you and proving it with my love. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I'm leading you to a place where we can fellowship for all eternity based upon the history of time that revealed that he was always for you and I. In Jesus' name we thank you. Amen.